You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Wow, so this is what it looks like to speak to a thousand people. I'm, I'm so grateful for all of you. By the way, good morning, everyone. Or like we say in Mexico, buenos dias. Oh, awesome. Great, we have bilingual people. Um, I, maybe some of you speak like three, four languages, but it's so good to be here. I'm from Mexico City, and uh, before we come and, and pray, let me just introduce myself very quickly, and my name is Marco Ballesteros, and, and I'm just so excited to be here. I'm grateful for Asbury University inviting me to, to speak and taking on the risk, honestly, kind of on my toes, kind of, God, what are you going to do this morning? And I've been praying for you, and there's been people praying for you that you don't know, that care about you, and they have a heart for you. So before we start, let's pray and ask God that he opens up your heart. I know you have schedules to fulfill and Netflix shows to watch and people to see, people you're trying to run away from as soon as you get out of chapel. And so we're going to pray for wherever you are right now, that your mind will be right leaning into the heart of Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for each one of these students, God, for each one of these adult faculty, staff, God, guests. And I know, God, that you, you see them, God. They may feel lost in a crowd, maybe. They may feel tired, exhausted. It's just toward the beginning of the semester, God. But God, there is so much more happening in this life that you are preparing them for. God, I pray that in this moment, you capture the hearts. I pray that you reach into that lonely person, that person that needs to be reminded that you see them and you care for them. I pray that you catch the attention of that person that is totally distracted, their heart is somewhere else, God, but in you, but I pray that in this moment they will, they will get your attention because of your grace that is drawing us to you. Students, I'm going to ask you in this moment to keep praying, and, and I'm going to ask you would, you, would you ask God, God, soften my heart that I will hear your voice, that I will be open to what you have to speak to me. Would you pray right now? Pray for yourself. And now pray for me that my words will be directly from the heart of God to you, that it will, I will not be highlighted, that it, Jesus will be the high point, the beginning and the end, the middle of the sermon for his glory. Would you pray that I will speak clearly, powerfully for, for the glory of Jesus? We bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I grew up in Mexico, and if you know anything about underdeveloped countries, we don't have some of the things that, that you probably take for granted here. Like I have a kid that is going to a baseball, part of a baseball league. I have another one that is in soccer teams. Like we have organized games. That is too fancy for us. We play like on streets and there are rocks, you know. Uh, we, we just run wild in the streets. Like in, in, the, in Mexico, playing in the streets is a good thing. It's the, the, the safe thing to do. You know a neighborhood is safe when kids play on the streets. Here when you say kids are playing on the streets, it's like, whoa, watch out. Trouble, right? Not for us. And so when I was growing up, I was, I was known to be the, the fastest runner in the block. Not to brag, but it's just a reality check. That's who I was. And so I, I lived up to, to my, my call for speed, right? And, and I would just, I knew I, I could just beat any kid to run. So one day, my uncle invites me to a race and my, my cousin goes with me. And I was like, running, whatever, you know, I've got it. I'm going to come back with my new title, you know. 
Um, so we're ready. There are like probably about 100 kids. And then we say, they say, ready, set, go. And oh, by the way, I didn't know how far I was running. It was about two miles. And I run like if we, I was running the 100 meter, you know? And I'm just killing it. And I'm just going at the end of everyone. And I'm thinking, I've got this. I've got this. And then I'm thinking, but when will I stop? I don't even know the directions. I didn't pay attention to what route we're going. And then I start getting tired, you know, that, that side pain that you get. Um, yeah, so talent doesn't beat discipline. That's what I learned in that lesson. And in the war, it just got worse and progressively worse. People started passing me. I am just looking back and there are less kids behind me and less kids behind me. And I can, I can now see the end of the, the, the race and I'm just like, okay, that's the deadline. I, I just need to get to that place. And I am just exhausted. Then we have to go around this soccer field and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the death of me. Like I'm shaking. I make it and I'm about to pass out. I'm cold sweating. Like I'm freezing and I'm laying on the floor and that was the first time that I dealt with dehydration. It was horrible. And why am I telling you this story? Because this is how life feels sometimes. You're in a race and you keep going and you don't know when it's going to end and some of you are here today exhausted, tired, maybe not physically, even though in all of my years of campus ministry, the in the introducing phrase of, hey, how is it going? How are you today? And the answer is, I am Yes, I am tired. And, and for some of you, that tiredness is not even like physical, it's just emotional. Maybe you have had a long week, a long 2023, a long 20s, and if you keep looking back, it just keeps stretching and you think, how long do I have to keep going? And we're going to meet in this story a, a lady, a woman that had been going in that race and she was just so dry inside of her. And, and God somehow reaches into her life and he sends his son to meet that one girl that is so close to his heart. And so let's go to the book of John. If you can go with me, pull out your Bible. We're going to go to the book of John chapter four and this is, this is from the NIV. And I'm going to read verse number four. So John 4, 4 says this. Now he had to go through Samaria, meaning Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now let me tell you about where Jesus is geographically. There is this southern side of Judea, where kind of the hip people live, I guess, if you want to call it that. You know, like if you're cooler, you kind of live in the, in the south. If you're a little bit of a redneck, you come from the north, you know? That would be kind of a, a raw description of it. Like people from the north, they didn't have very good reputation. They were kind of troublemakers, revolutionaries. And then there is the middle, kind of the, the people that for some would say like crossing the railroad tracks, like as if it was a bad thing for God. And Jesus says, I need to go through there. I need to meet someone. And as he arrives, he's tired and thirsty from the journey. So he sends the disciples to go and get food, and he's all by himself in a region where actually any Jew would avoid going through that region and talking to Samaritans because Samaritans were considered kind of uh, detestable, would be a nice way to put it. There were actually Jewish prayers that were recited during worship that would be like, God, punish those people because they're nasty and ugly and you're not for them. How spiritual is that, right? And so that is the kind of person that Jesus is going to encounter. Someone that in people from his own crowd would say, these are non-grata people. And so he is in that location. And then he encounters this girl that is walking alone in the middle of the day, kind of avoiding the crowds, just thinking, I can just 
do the thing that I have to do. So this is what the Bible says, verse number seven, when the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples have, had gone into the town to buy food. And isn't that in- incredible how God works things out? This is an activity that this woman had to do routinely that she felt obligated to do because if there is no water at home, then there is trouble, right? And maybe some of you, honestly, let's just be honest and put the pink elephant kind of out there at the front and say, maybe some of you feel like, yeah, I have to be here right now, but God, I believe that brought you here to get your attention. You may feel like maybe you didn't want to be here this morning, and I've been there before, but God has brought you here because he has a word for you today. And so Jesus comes to her and he's telling her, I'm thirsty. I I need a drink of water. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She's totally puzzled. She's like, why are you talking to me? Maybe when when Jesus was talking to her the first, she was like, oh, me? She's like, "We, we are not supposed to be talking. You're a man. I'm a woman. You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan. Like, it can't just get more extreme than that. And Jesus, in all his humility, is asking her, I need something from you. Then the Samaritan, and then Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is it that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? And Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and did also his sons and his livestock? And everyone who drinks water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water with them never thirst. Indeed, the water. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Technology fails, but never Jesus. So, (laughs) you can go home. Okay, so. Sir, I don't know where you left. Uh, Okay, so let's go back to here. Verse 11. So the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where, Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone, everyone. Say with me, everyone. Okay, say with me, everyone. There you go who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. All of us in this room, through our day, through our week, especially through our highest and lowest, tend to grab and reach out to some sort of drink. This is Dr. Pepper, foreign drink to a Mexican. The first time I tried it, I thought it was medication, but it was not. (laughs) And then it just kind of grows on you, and you make up your mind that floats are awesome. Add some vanilla, and just ice cream just can do miracles. It It just changes the taste. And so, for some of you, if you could personify who you are inside of you, you're kind of like, this. your drink is Dr. Pepper. You're likable, you're a nice person, you like your friends, you lean under your friends, but, but the thing is you begin to try to drink a little too hard and you become a little needy. Let's be honest. You lean a little too hard and you're thinking that that relationship is going to save you right where you are. And you keep drinking of it and you're thinking, if I can just spend more time with that person and be more likable, you know, maybe a little bit of social media in the mix every three minutes and a few more likes and posts 
And next thing you know, you're drinking and you're addicted to this cycle of thinking, if I can just meet the right person, be in the right circle, I will be satisfied. But Jesus promises this will not satisfy you ever. And then there are some who are more like in the Mountain Dew kind of area. Anyone there? You're not, you don't know what I'm going to say about you, so you didn't raise your hand. I get it. You're smart. That's why you're college students. So this was my drink, like literally, when I was going to seminary across the street. It, it saved many, many of my hours of boredom going from Bowling Green to here. So, and for some of you, it's just you are driven and energetic. You want to kill it. Why getting a 3.A when you can get a 4.0, right? I mean, you just, you're going to prove yourself and you are going to get the energy that you need. And some of you are going to overspend yourself and thinking, if I just can get my grades up, if I can be the best team player, if I can be the best son and daughter and prove my dad and my mom that I'm worth it and prove my friends that I'm a leader and I'm going to assert myself and I'm going to be needed and I'm going to be the one that saves the day, then I will be satisfied. But you keep drinking and the day you fail, you realize this was not enough because you're trying to be superhuman, but you're just a human. And for some of you, performance is your identity and your role and your team, your task, your ministry, your call, your job. That is who you are. And let me tell you, that is not who Jesus called you to be. He called you to be something much more than that. Then we have this one, that uh, campus ministry, that taught me a lot of lessons about some sad experiences. This is Dr. Pepper Zero. There are people here that it's just, you know, you meet them. Please don't be this person. They try to be so likable. They overcommit. They're telling you, yep, I'll be there. I love your ministry. I'll show up. I, I, I love this thing. Yeah, the first time I met you, but I feel like we were meant to be like together in, you know, like in whatever. And they commit to you. But then you ask them, hey, so can, can you show up? Well, there you go. Yeah. Exactly. He knows. He's being there. Oh, yeah. Well, let me check. I'll get back to you, right? I have something else to do. And somehow it never works out for them to commit. These are the people with zero commitment in life. Do you know where you will go if you keep going like this? Broken relationships, broken expectations. You will not be known. This is not who God called you to be. And so there is zero you can expect from them. But they are takers and not givers. And let me tell you something. Love is about giving, not just receiving. And so for some of you, you keep drinking and skipping those opportunities to, to serve and to, to be known and, and to serve God in amazing ways that God is opening up for you. Then we have this big bad guy. I want you to hear it. Monster. Oh, yeah. Some of you are feeling right now that the Holy Spirit is poking on you. <laughs> so these are the people that go from extreme to extreme. There is no relationship that can go five miles per hour when you can go 60 in 3.0, right? And so you're all intense, all in. You are trying things that in your darkest moment, it brings you to this. You're going to places and doing things that you know you shouldn't be there. But if you can just reach out for that one momentary high, that more, one more adrenaline kick, adrenaline kick, it will, it will take you there, you think. But the thing with these kind of drinks is it, the next day you crash. The first time I tried it, I'll tell you the story one time, but it had the biggest crash in my life. It was horrendous. It was in the middle of a concert, pretty much. I was in the band. I was the lead man, by the way. Last time I tried it. But the thing is, somehow we're like, when we're not careful, we're like that dog that comes back to the vomit. 
and you keep going back and drinking and feeling so disappointed with yourself and you think, what did I just do? And you go back and do it again. But there is hope for you in the name of Jesus. And then we have people who they're trying to find their own identity and idea about who God is. And, and they begin to create their own mix of their ideal of God. Yes, God is all about love. Only love. No accountability, but it's, he's all about love. Yes, God is everywhere, but he will also let me go anywhere as well. You know, he knows my needs and he's kind of like a doctor. He's meant, he was, he exists to make my life better and for me to be the center of the universe. As long as I feel good and it feels good, it's good. That's, that's the depth of that philosophy. And yeah, it kind of looks like Jesus, but it's not the Jesus of the Bible. It's a better Jesus. A Jesus that looks more like me, that likes me just the way I am and would never like to change anything about me. And the next thing you know, you begin to make these strange mixes of an idea of God that doesn't exist and when you need help, guidance, and direction. This God is never giving you that because he's always saying yes to you. How do you call this kind of drink? A suicide. And if you're not careful, that's where you're walking spiritually. I wonder if the version of Jesus that you need to meet is the version of Jesus that is available to you today in this place. And he's been knocking at your door and saying, if you would just open up your door, I, I will come and dine with you. But Jesus promised that nothing in life can satisfy us. And he promised there is a drink that I am here to give you. And let, let me tell you, these drinks were somehow designed to make you thirstier and to keep going back, right? I mean, marketing is amazing. In the way that sin works, it's just even more amazing. And it, we just keep going back and going back. And it's not so satisfying. It really is not. You feel more broken after you go back in the end, at the end of the day, you take in inventory and you realize, I'm so broken. But when Jesus comes, he says, when you drink of me, I will satisfy you. Your life will be so satisfied that actually it will be like a spring of water is just flowing and gushing out from you. People will come to drink from you. That's kind of the promise. I will not only satisfy you, but I will satisfy the people around you. How do we know that? Because this woman was all alone in Believe me, all of, all of the area and out of state and out of the country, we have heard about the revival that God started in this room. And, and I just feel like God was telling me, I can start another revival if there was only one person that would lean hard on me today. How do we know that? And you may be saying, well, I don't know about that. One woman who was willing to lean hard on God went back home and that day revival broke in Samaria. Did she have any theological training? Probably not. Did she know every truth about Jesus? No, but she knew that she had met. Maybe this is the Messiah. And people were around so thirsty. And let me tell you what, guys. We can live the kind of spirituality that says, yes, Jesus, come and satisfy me for me. Or we can say, Jesus, come and satisfy me for me and my community, my friends, my family. I need that revival. And I wonder how many people are in this room just saying, I'm thirsty, Jesus. I'm thirsty today. I don't want to be drinking of any of these drinks anymore because only you can satisfy me. And here's the invitation for you guys. Jesus is coming, knocking at your door this morning and saying, when you leave this door, through these doors, you can go back to your life and you can go back and drink of any of these drinks or you can choose right now and say, Jesus, only you can satisfy you. You can satisfy me today. But this is not the decision that Jesus will make for you. This is a decision that you need to make. How is it with your soul, Asbury? How is it with your soul today? Do you feel the Holy Spirit saying to you, hey, let's get real. I can meet you where you are. This woman, she had, she had had five broken relationships. She was a mess. Maybe she, it was not, none of them was her fault. 
Maybe she just was a victim, and yet that craving of her heart was there, and Jesus leans on her, and he says to her, I can satisfy you. So before I close with our time together, I I want to tell you, as I was praying, God, God was telling me there is someone in this crowd that is feeling so lonely, like invisible, and I want you to tell them that I can see them. I see you. I see you in your brokenness, in your loneliness. I care about you. And there are some people here also in this crowd that they feel like they're so professionally above and beyond the rest of you. And, but your heart is so hardened toward God and so dry. Jesus is asking you, drink from me. Don't drink from your success. I'm here for you. Would you? Let's take a moment. And, and I want to pray with you and for you, Asbury. And I want to ask God that maybe he will, he will speak into your heart and, and soften your heart to say, Jesus, I need of you right now. Would you close your eyes? God, I thank, I thank you, God, for the way that you remind us of the need for your presence, that only you can satisfy us, God. And and God, I I want to confess that so many times I'm so tempted to reach and drink from any of these cups, God, that will never satisfy me, God. And God, I pray for anyone who is just being caught drinking and drinking, and every time is so much more thirsty for what is real. But I pray that in this moment, that you will reach out into the hearts of these people and you will make yourself known to them, God that you will show them that you are walking with them and you care about them. And, and I want to ask you, Asbury, if, you, if there is anyone here that is, trying, is just reaching into the, that place and is ready to say, God, I, I need you. I want to put my trust in Jesus, that you would raise your hand and I want to pray for you. Raise your hand and just say, God, I, I desire you in this morning. I desire your presence. I desire what you have for me. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Very good. Thank you. Let me pray for you, God. I pray for these people, these courageous people that are saying, I I need the real thing. I don't want to live a life of brokenness. But lean on you, God. I pray that you meet them where they are, God. Take them, God, to this close place of proximity and love in you. Thank you, God, that you love them. You see them. You care for them, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.